0: This episode of the School of Laughs podcast is brought to you by Patreon sponsors John Peters, Greg Adams, and Paul Swan. Thanks, fellas.
1: Welcome to the School of Laughs podcast, brought to you by SchoolofLaughs.com. Whether you're an aspiring comedian, a part-time pro, or a speaker who wants to become funnier, this is the podcast for you. We'll break down tools, tips, and techniques to help you get bigger, better, and more bookable. And now, here's the show.
0: Welcome to the School of Laughs podcast. This is Rick Roberts. And as you heard there in the pre-roll, we are now sponsored by listeners like you. That's right. Through the miracle of Patreon. It's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com. You can go there to patreon.com forward slash school of laughs and find out more. Uh, I can accept some patronage from folks that listen to the podcast. This is great. It's going to help me offset some of the cost and the time associated with producing the podcast. And I'm going to be able to give those people who sponsor the podcast some bonus materials and information and access that I think they deserve for helping keep this podcast going. So if you'd like to find out more about Patreon and join our list of patrons, you can do so at Patreon.com forward slash school love laughs. I'll talk a little bit more about that at the end of the podcast, but thanks again to John, Greg, and Paul for helping out. And I hope more of you jump on board and help support the podcast. Today on the podcast, I've got Derek Michael Tennant. Some of you may know Derek already, especially those in the Atlanta area. Uh, Derek puts on a comedy show down there called Revved Up Comedy Jam and helps new comics get their first paycheck by winning that contest. Uh, Derek's a great guy. Very interesting story, as you'll learn as this podcast unfolds. Uh, Had quite a bit of adversity in his teenage years, which, let's face it, we all have some. He had all that plus A major, major problem and issue to overcome, and he's done that in a great way. And in making use of that drawback and setback, and now it's helping him to inspire others. And I love stories like this. You know, life gives you a lot of different things you can work with, and sometimes it can knock you down. Other times you choose to use that as a hurdle that you jump over and keep on going, and that's what Derek did. Uh, A lot of good stuff in this podcast for new comics as well as comics that have been around for a while. And Derek is also going to be sponsoring the podcast through his T-shirt company. You'll hear about that in a few weeks coming up. Derek's a fun guy. You'll hear that in the interview. And I'm sure you'll learn a few things as I did as we talk to Derek Michael Tennant.
1: Derek, how's it going, buddy? Awesome. Good to be in Kentucky. Tennessee. <laughs> gonna Tennessee. I was going to let you hang yourself for a second. <laughs> what is wrong with us, man?
0: <laughs> so, Derek, man, you're in Nashville kind of hanging out. So you're an Atlanta guy.
1: Uh, I'm a New York guy, but I live in Atlanta.
0: And when did you move down to Atlanta?
1: Uh, for the Olympics in 96. I just wanted to see it. I wasn't in the Olympics. I mean, Then you got some good deals on those condos the week it. after? Yeah, I, I I wanted to just see the world in one city. So I'm like, it's it's a drive away, and I just drove down. My buddy was a youth pastor in Atlanta. I stayed for a week. He goes, "You should move down here." I said, "Okay," and that was it. That I was it. Moved to Atlanta, and I planned to stay for a year. But
0: and what year was that? Those was it. Ninety six. Ninety six. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so ninety six. How old were you there? And you were probably
1: ninety six. I don't know. Early twenties. Thirty. Thirty. I'm old, dude. You're forty five. You. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm forty seven.
0: I'll be pushing forty eight here in another month or two. So you moved down to
1: Atlanta and you weren't doing comedy yet? No, not at all. I had done some speaking, like motivational speaking because of my injury. My I guess we should identify that. Now, yeah, right? they can this is this is a podcast, yeah. not a TV show. I have show. a third arm. So. <laughs> That'd be handy though, <laughs> wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to say that. You didn't even mean to do that. I didn't that. mean to say that. You got to act like you did though. Edit it out and say, "See what I did I'm there? keeping all of this, so just watch where you're going <laughs> today. Right. So I, I uh, it's quite the opposite of a third arm. I only have one arm. My left arm is paralyzed. Um, so you have it.
0: It's just not it's, fully it, functional. Yeah, it's
1: there. It's just a louse. You know, it just sits there, you know, like... No. It's just an albatross. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's got a girlfriend and a job and stuff, but I don't know what it is. It's There's just, no communication coming yeah, back no, from that arm No, it's not at all. happening, man.
0: And so that uh, happened at what age?
1: I was 14. I just... Yeah, it's crazy, man. I just had a headache. I went into a coma. They told my parents that I would die that night. And I didn't. So that's good, right? right. You know... Well, we'll see. Yeah. I'm right. yeah, <laughs> still holding, waiting on the results still of your life. Out on that, yeah. I, uh, um, so, you know, long story short, I was in the hospital 13 weeks. I was in a coma, and then I had brain surgery. I had to learn how to, you know, talk and walk and everything all over again over the next six years. And this happened, honest to goodness, from what the doctors labeled in the neurology report, random bleeding from point X for an unknown reason. <laughs> I'm like, is this guy even a doctor? (laughs) And where is point X? Can you be a little more specific? What do we got? An old treasure map? It's like the engine light. You know, (laughs) check your engine. You know, (laughs) check your body.
0: I think you had a random doctor that (laughs) did not have a degree from X (laughs) University.
1: Because it's three statements. Each of them says nothing. Yeah. Random bleeding. Point X. Unknown reason no, There's nothing there yeah. That's a neurology and I know that less guy, now than when you walked in That guy did brain surgery on me, man <laughs> That's that's, a, that's,
0: the, that's the miracle
1: Yeah, No kidding Look at my scar You yeah. can't see it But Rick, it's in the shape of a question mark
0: Yeah, it actually is yeah. Isn't that
1: funny? Like, I he's, don't think he had to do that
0: You know, there's only one like, place where your brain yeah. is And the guy had to go searching <laughs> he's,
1: he's like, hey guys, check this out He just gave me a giant question mark on the side of my head
0: Man, so, man, for, first off, back up 14 Yeah I mean that's right when everything is awkward anyway and all of a sudden you are in a coma and was it like a blood clot or a stroke? I mean I it know was, what you just said but what does that mean? that's
1: what they said. They, what they told me is it wasn't a, a, a stroke because there was no clotting and it mm-hmm. wasn't an aneurysm because that's on the surface of your brain whatever. They just didn't have a thing for it. So they made up that random, random X garbage <laughs> you know whatever. But that guy saved my life. So I'm not, I am not. I love him. He's great. Um, he's just got to work on his writing skills. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, at I least guess. he's
0: not from Mexico, so there'd be, there'd be a question mark on both sides of your head <laughs> at the beginning of the sentence and the other end.
1: <laughs> It'd be from Point dosac East. <laughs> there you go. Yeah,
0: probably it's what he had. That's why there's so so many problems. But man, so we're, we're for, writing a lot
1: of bad jokes here. <laughs> well,
0: it's fun. it's just like a strange for a doctor to perform that amount of intense work on you and have know, so very little as to describe what it was that he worked on.
1: And that was the official thing. And they had to put a metal plate in my head because there's like a piece of my bone that's still not there. And that freaks me out. My, uh, hello. That freaks me out. Yeah. Because I, I can change my mind with a magnet. <laughs> right. You having any problem getting through the airport these days? <laughs> it's weird, man. It's worse at home. I'm hungry and the refrigerator is covered with those things. <laughs> yeah. you know? I'm sudden, starving. No, got, I'm not. <laughs> got a to-do to do list to your head. I keep changing it. <laughs>
0: I would love to do this list, but I can't see it. So the coma was for nine.
1: No, the coma was only a few days. Okay, and then I came out, but then um, I was in intensive care for twelve weeks. Wow! And then wheelchair for a couple of years, and uh, just so you couldn't of, walk
0: either. At no, the I beginning?
1: couldn't sit up. I mean, because I lost half of my body. Um, I mean, literally, like I was the guy. Like I drooled, and mm-hmm. it was crazy. You know, I mean, I did, and and that's coming from when I was fourteen from talking to colleges about football like i wasn't even in high school yet like i was a talented athlete you know i, I played basketball football and baseball at a, at a pretty competitive level at that age and uh that all went away and then i was just a kid in a wheelchair with a shade and i had a mullet and now i had a shaved head that was really oh, in my man. mind at that point it was the worst part that's of the it. first thing it's been like, your yeah, fault I can't so use far my left arm but where's my mullet they just shaved it off
0: <laughs> oh man and,
1: and gave me a giant question mark instead yeah. you know that was that was tough I remember it's kind of of bad, but I remember the first time um, that I I I was out of the hospital, my parents took me out to eat at my favorite place in New York. It was Frankie's Italian restaurant, and uh, God bless this woman. She didn't do anything wrong, but I'm in a wheelchair. I'm slumped over my face, I'm kind of drooling a little, and I got a giant question mark on my head. She takes my parents' sweet woman. She takes my parents' order, and then she looks at me, and she says to my parents, she goes, does he want anything? Oh, no. <laughs> and I saw this, and I just go. <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> she jumped back. <laughs> it's so wrong, <laughs> but it was funny, you know. I mean, it was, that's yeah. I mean, some it, things never change. You break I guess.
0: So how much of um, you know reaction from people and and some kind of discrimination and, and some of the looks you got from that? I mean. How did that shape where you went from there on
1: out? It's crazy. You know, I mean, now I'm 45. I can look at it. Well, I learned this and I did that. But as a 14-year-old kid, man, it was frustrating, especially knowing that I was going to play football and I was going to do this and that. And now I'm just a kid in a wheelchair. And people, it's (laughs) listen to me, friends. When you meet somebody in a wheelchair, they're not deaf, okay? (laughs) everybody, (laughs) like, hey, how are you? (laughs) I'm like, lady, my legs don't work. They're not deaf. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, it's just, it was it was a different perspective for sure. Yeah,
0: man. And so then you, then you got, how long before you started walking again? I mean, was
1: uh, it, was it like little
0: landmarks before everything? Yeah, kind yeah of, it
1: was kind of like I had to walk with these railings like you see on 2020, you hold on to the thing. Uh-huh. And, but I, and I couldn't do, you know, like a regular wheelchair. I just would go in circles because I only got the one arm. Right. So, got, so they had this big thing, and this is, you know, 1985, you know, so they had this. New technology where the wheel on the right side would turn both wheels. Okay, but it didn't work. Man, it was a great idea. It didn't work. You know, so that's so why I had a regular one. So I would just use my foot and kind of scoot along and whatever.
0: Almost like a rudder trying to get yeah, back right. on track. Yeah, right? yeah right. You got
1: to kind of. And so there was a lot of little things like that. But you know, like I said now I know I learned a lot from it, but it was it was frustrating to say the least.
0: And were you walking back about the time you got into high school or late high school years? No,
1: I missed the first uh, three quarters of my freshman year and uh, and then when I got there I was in, in the wheelchair and but by the end of the freshman year I was walking but you know not as well as I do now, but um, I was walking. I was just determined I wasn't going to stay in the wheelchair or whatever.
0: Yeah, I, mean, I imagine determination is all you got at some point. you know. Yeah,
1: that and what they wrote on the side of the van that dropped me off at the school because <laughs> they dropped me off halfway through the day after therapy. Hand to God. It said on the side of the van in one-foot-tall letters, Invalid coach. Oh, man. Can you believe in this world of political correctness, which didn't exist, right. an invalid coach? And he, here comes the invalid and his coach. Yeah. <laughs> and it was baby blue. I mean, come on, can it be any worse?
0: I'm thinking of a bad sports reference. I'm trying to think of the worst coach in the SEC right now,
1: but <laughs> I'll just not, let it go. Funny. Why did I not write that before? It's yours. Can I have that yeah. once we write it? Yeah, good. And, uh, and, and also, you know, it was 1985, so is like handicap vans nowadays are kind of cool like it's you know, a big sh- piece
0: of machinery yeah
1: hydraulic lifts and everything not in upstate New York in 1985 it was a, it was a cargo van or the passenger van I mean but they took the seats out of the van but they didn't take the seat belts so you were- So my wheelchairs in the middle of this van with seat belts wrapped around the wheels and the handles and that's how I was quote unquote <sighs> secured in this van right and, uh, and I was fine with that, you know, and these young guys are driving around. and But then we get to school. Everybody's looking out the window at the invalid coach, right? I'm embarrassed. And they open the doors. There's no hydraulic lift. There's just like – literally, it was like an iron gate thing. Mm-hmm. And they drop it. It's like, bam, you know, it drops on the concrete. So now if they weren't looking outside, they're looking outside. They're, and yeah. Here comes invalid, you know, <laughs> to the school.
0: Here's a new coach. So,
1: yeah, that was, that was my entrance into high school. Man. It was not good. And so – I can imagine. Uh, did you have
0: some close friends that stuck with you through those times, or was yeah, it kind of awkward yeah. for them? Or how?
1: Well, it was weird because I was going across town. Like I, I went to a through K-8 school, mm-hmm. and then I was going to this school because it was the best football school and whatever. So I didn't know everybody at the school, but there was a few people that were there that knew me from before. So, yeah, that, and they're the, still rock-solid friends. That's great. And it was cool. I got to pick um, one person to take me because I had to leave class early to get – to the other class on time or so. Mm-hmm. And so all my friends were like, dude, dude, pick me, pick, you know, cause they all wanted to get out of class early. And I picked my buddy, Ronnie Pierce. And, uh, so he would leave whatever it was, you know, five or 10 minutes before class. And he would push me in my wheelchair to where my next class was. But when I started, when I got to be where I could walk a little bit, mm-hmm. I could use the wheelchair as kind of a walker. Gotcha. And when we got to a classroom, he would sit in the wheelchair and I would stand behind and just kind of limp and push him, in the way, and people were like, "Dude, hey, he's not. That's not. He's not the guy." You know, it was. It was so that's crazy. funny. Those so are, you had your the, sense the, of humor oh, through all oh, of it. Oh yeah, I had to, man. I, it 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 definitely carried through and. And helped in a lot of ways, and still does.
0: Yeah, I mean, that obviously, you've made a living out of it now. But you, you speak too. Uh, when I say that, it's like you know, you have more serious topics that you do sometimes.
1: Yeah, comedy's always involved, but I mean, I do. I, I'm I'm blessed to be able to you know preach at churches and do family comedy nights at churches, do corporate events, whatever. Comedy's always part of that, but a lot of times it's pretty heavy too. You know, talking about. It sounds so motivational, speakery, but you know, obstacles are opportunities, and all that kind of thing. And Absolutely, it's all true. I mean, it's a principle, except for the fact that uh, I love this. When people come out and say, "You can do anything you put your mind to," no, you can't, man. Yeah, yeah. You can, I can put my mind to writing you a letter with my left hand, and that ain't gonna it's happen. It's not gonna happen. I can pray about it. I can get people to support me. It's not gonna happen, right? But that's okay. That's the cool part of life. There's things that are impossible. All right. You know, move on.
0: Yeah, what's the next best thing?
1: Right. right. Yeah, use it. Well, what we can do is get better. Like wherever you are right now in anything, including your comedy, you can get better. You can't be the number one comic in the country, probably, but because uh, only one person can be that. But yeah. you can be better. That's kind of the thing that I try to communicate to people. You know, you can do anything. No, you can't, man. I hate that. And that's the message we give kids in school. Yeah,
0: it's very misleading, right?
1: too. And then if they don't make varsity, you're like, I thought I could do anything.
0: Yeah, I'm well, a loser. except for that. Yeah.
1: Well, you can do anything except. It's
0: not your fault. You had an invalid coach.
1: Jamie. Yeah, you had an invalid coach. <laughs> <laughs> he was not accredited. And you're four foot one. Sorry, yes, yeah. yeah. junior.
0: So let me ask you this: How long into it before you were self sufficient? Like, uh, didn't need the wheelchair? Didn't need the transportation?
1: It was what age? Or, uh, I was. So it happened when I was fourteen. Uh, by my sophomore year in, in high school. So like the next year. Um, I didn't have the short bus, you know. Like, like I did have a short bus. That that was also sucky, you know. Yeah. I, well, it, the invalid coach was my short bus. You know, like I would get to school at one o'clock or noon or whatever it was, and then this is this was what they do in the education system in upstate New York. Because I missed all that time, I had the privilege of staying one on one with my high school teachers until five thirty p.m. at night. Come on, fourteen. One on one in a room, a tiny room with a high school, you know, earth science teacher. Right. <laughs> shoot me and take my other arm. Man. Let's no, talk like about God.
0: mold. <laughs> no, no. <laughs>
1: but I did it, man, and I and I got through. But they're also a lot more gracious with the grades, and you can finish like a year's worth of work in like a week if if you have to. Right, it's like homeschooling. You know? Right, yeah. <laughs> I don't even know how that homeschool thing works. Yeah, I He's in college. He's eleven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what college is that?
0: <laughs> did you, um, you know, speaking of college, did you pursue a college after high school?
1: Yeah, I went to um, Houghton College. Mm-hmm. It's in upstate New York. And uh, one of the reasons I went there is because I don't have a football team. You know, I, it was just too hard for me to go to it. It was just Be like a daily
0: reminder, right?
1: Right. Yeah. That I'm not on that team and I'm not the quarterback or whatever. Like I talked to Wheaton and they're like, um, you know, we can use you in the film room for the football team. That's <laughs> like wearing Velcro shoes. You know, yeah, I'm yeah. gonna learn how to tie my shoes. <laughs> you know, right? I, I, so I didn't. So, Houghton, but Houghton's a great school too. I mean, I, I'm really glad I went there, and it's it's an awesome school. And, and did you did you
0: take any performance classes or anything that no, led man, to comedy?
1: I was like, <laughs> well, I, I don't really want to tie. I grew up in New York, right, upstate New York, I guess. Uh, and guys just didn't do that, mm-hmm. you know.
0: Right, really?
1: You're gonna act, okay, weirdo? You know, my—I think my sister does that. You know, that's yeah. kind of the mentality I grew up in. You know, guys play football, and and so even in college, I was like the plays and all that. Um, I just didn't—I'm too cool for that, right. right? You know, and I never thought I was going to be a comic, or I didn't. I did like I hosted all the talent shows in college. That's what I would do. Like I would read a top ten list and mm-hmm. kind of David Letterman type stuff. But I—but just because. I was funny.
0: So no no performing in college besides the uh, talent shows.
1: Yeah, and I and I, I think I spoke to a couple youth groups, you know, kind of just you know, giving a message kind of mm-hmm. thing. It wasn't comedy or I never did any acting or anything like that. I just kinda did my thing. Did your thing and then you
0: got out of college and how soon after that did you move down to Atlanta then? So that would have been uh, a few so years ago. Yeah,
1: I graduated in ninety three and then I went overseas and played basketball. I played in the Philippines. Really? Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty you're cool. Like, dude, you're white, short, and handicapped. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm saying, that.
0: maybe I got a chance.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. Apparently, you do. That <laughs> no, was great, man. Yeah, I tried out and I, I made this team, and we, because I I started focusing on basketball in college, uh, because you just can't play football. That was my right. sport with one hand. You just can't, you know. And uh, basketball, I had to relearn. I can never stop dribbling, because as soon as I stopped dribbling, bam, you smack the ball out of my Yeah. Head. So it's a psychological game a lot it, like for the first quarter it's easy because people are only going to guard my right side so i can pass behind my back or i can you know kind of go that way mm-hmm. and, and they're not expecting it but then once they learn that you gotta kind of adjust and so it was fun yeah i mean i played you know and it was at a professional level we played professional teams over there oh, that's in cool and i played in mexico so yeah that was cool that was a good story of uh you know where you can do something. Yeah, things persevered. you put your mind through, not yeah. everything, but some things. You know? Yeah, I mean, you even, gotta,
0: even if you've got to go to the Philippines to do it, like you right, found yeah, a you way know. to... It's not like I played in the NBA. Yeah. No, but at the same <laughs> point,
1: it's like, you know,
0: you were, were an athlete before the incident, and now you've gotten back on track, you know. That's a big victory.
1: Yeah. No, it was I was um, it was it great. I mean, I, I kind of live in the moment. I live day by day. It wasn't something that I saw that way when I was doing it. It was right. just like I had this opportunity, and I played on a club team in college, and a guy had played over there. It's kind of funny. I said, uh, he goes, you should play on this team. And he was telling me about it. And he had played in Japan and whatever. And I go, yeah, I'm going to call your coach and tell him that I'm white, short, and handicapped, basically. you know." And, and he's like, well, you should try out. And I'm like, ah, it's just I don't want to do that to the coach. Uh-huh. You know, I didn't want to put him in a weird spot you because know, everybody thinks they can play and every college player thinks they can, whatever. So I get a call a week before I graduated from the coach. His name was Robin Cook. And he says, Derek, yeah, um, are you friends with Danny, you know, so-and-so, and you play on this team? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, well, we just had an injury. Um, this is um, Coach Rob. I'm like, yeah, Danny told me about you guys. He goes, would you be um, interested in playing in the Philippines? I was like, yeah, man. You know, I was like, so jacked. So I said, yeah. And you know, I said, well, when are tryouts. And he goes, that's the thing. He goes, we're done, and we got to go, and we have training camp next week. But we know you can play, blah, blah, blah. Can you so come? So you're in if you can get in. So, your- yeah. And I was like, what a dream, right? Yeah. So I land in uh, San Francisco is where training camp was. This was awesome. I, I get off the plane, and there's Robin Cook, and I knew him from pictures and stuff, and he sees me. We shake hands, and I, my plane was like the first of like six guys that were coming in. So uh-huh. we go to a coffee shop there in the airport, and we're just shooting the breeze, talking, sitting at this coffee shop. And he seems like a cool guy, and I'm so excited. And I said, I go, man, it's got to be weird. And he goes, what? I go, well, you know, to have somebody on a team of this level with one arm— And he looks at me and like he's like, because you can't tell just Uh looking at me. I mean, I have an arm, you know, and and I go and I look at him and I go, Danny didn't tell you, and and he's like, tell me what? I said I can't use my left arm, man, at all. It's paralyzed. And he goes, what? And I go, my leg too. Like it's like my whole left side. He goes, are you Derek Tennant? <laughs> <laughs> I said, Yeah. He goes, Did you play such and such? Yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's me. So it was so so then he did everything he supposed to, Oh, that's cool, man. I'm glad you're on the team, you know. But in his mind he's going crazy. So we leave, we're in the team van and we drove from San Francisco to training camp. It was like 30 minutes away. And I I swear to you, that not ten minutes from the airport, my coach and we all just got off airplanes, right? We got our bags and everything. He's like, hey guys, there's a park up here. You guys wanna go play some pickup? Yeah. He just wanted to see it. He was so dying to know if I could play. Yeah, or else you were gonna. So it, we're all in like our travel clothes and we're out playing one on one and you know whatever in this city park and somewhere in San Francisco. That's and, funny because it eased his mind a little bit. Yeah, because so. if
0: you weren't doing well there, he probably left you at the park. Yeah, I would still be there right now. You know <laughs> just be, Man. So that's that's pretty
1: incredible. And then uh,
0: man, the Philippines that's a full day flight,
1: yeah. it was a couple inevitable.
0: connections and all that,
1: yeah. Now I had flown maybe four or five times before that, so it was it was crazy. And uh, but but great, I say that now, but it was tough too because I don't want to say every guy because there's some guys I know is better than on that team, but most of the guys on a team were better than me, right? You know, because they had two arms and two legs. So come on,
0: let's yeah. talk a little comedy here since uh, yeah, it's a comedy
1: podcast. Yeah, I feel, that's right, yeah. I've heard about that. <laughs> well, no, I
0: think all that backstory is, is important, and uh, and it's it's not only that you overcame all that from a point where you couldn't even speak, really.
1: Yeah, literally. Yeah. So
0: now it's what you do for a living.
1: Yeah, and they told my folks because of the area of my brain that I would be, uh, I would lose the ability. There's some things like I can't see down into the left in either eye, and they knew that. And they said math skills and social skills I would lose completely. And I got near perfect on the SATs like two years later, and I kind of make my living with social skills. So yeah, no, it's, it's absolutely. You just don't know what you know what's going to happen.
0: Well. But, it started with your doctor who not knowing anything. Yeah, well, <laughs> he So you're in Atlanta now, and you've got all kinds of things going on. You, you go you do your more serious speaking with some humor in it. You do your straight-ahead comedy shows. Yeah. And you also run a room in Atlanta that I'm sure a few people listening actually go down and do some timing. Tell yeah, us a little absolutely. bit about the Revved Up show.
1: It's a, it's a lot of fun, man. It's a little coffee shop in Smyrna, Georgia i tell you what. You know? <laughs> and
0: that's just north of Atlanta, right?
1: Uh, it's like or... northwest, I think, okay. kind of. Yeah. And uh, But I do it. It's not announced when the next one's going to be because I like to just keep the demand up. But 15 comics will be in it, which sounds crazy. And it's, they each do three minutes, and I, and I tell them to be TV clean. It's a coffee shop. There's no alcohol or anything. And uh, the audience votes completely for the winner. And then I give the winner 150 bucks.
0: So you get a, quite a bit of participation, people coming in?
1: Yeah, it's awesome, man. People come in to do it. And, and I charge to do it because I give away the 150 bucks, mm-hmm. and, uh, and second or third gets – but it's where i found all three of my current opening acts I found at this revved up show. And, and, and there's probably 10 – without exaggeration, there's probably 10 guys and girls from that show that have gotten their first paid gigs from doing that show and, and me seeing them and giving them a chance. you know, maybe $50 or $100, but it's a paid show. No, that's pretty cool. So it's been so fun, yeah. And it's really a fun show. And it gives me – it's kind of like my open mic because I go up between every act and uh, and introduce the next one. And I try to use it as – I try to think of something the last guy said and tie that into something that Mm -hmm. I have or, you know, that kind of thing.
0: So it keeps your mind going and gives yeah. you a chance to experiment on some stuff if you've got some things you want to work out. And it's given back to the comedy community in the area, huh? It's
1: great because, you know, especially in Atlanta, there's an open mic every night, if not two. But you're in front of seven comics, right. you know, and that, are, that don't want to laugh because they don't want you to be funnier than them. You know, I mean, you know how we do it. Oh, and yeah. So this is a, a packed, sold out. We've sold out the last four shows. And it's a good audience. It's like a comedy class type audience. You know, they know you're not a professional and... Usually a packed house. It's,
0: I've seen some videos. Some set, some yeah. some people. Ed Wiley, we were talking about you oh, earlier yeah. before we rolled the the recording. But you know, I saw Ed set, and uh, it was jam packed in there. So that's going on in Atlanta, and but you're thinking, are you thinking about maybe moving up here to Nashville? Yeah, pretty Nashville's seriously.
1: On sh- it's on the short list of, of places to move. I got some uh, some mentors of mine. That, well, Ken Davis is a is a good friend of mine, and mm-hmm. uh, and I'm, I try to learn from him. Um, and you being here, I would I would like to. I don't write very often. I write in my head or on stage, and I'd like to get better at, you know, doing the stuff, that you're some stuff up, teaching people, mm-hmm. do you know, So I want to, I want to get better at that. And and Nashville is just a cooler city than Atlanta at this point, you know, in my mind. I mean, it's...
0: you have to heart me when you come up. I'm Absolutely. always up for writing, and I can get a couple other guys to
1: pop in too. Yeah, that'd be cool. actually yeah. People that are in this area, let's do that. Let's get a writing. We've got thing quite together.
0: a few. Yeah. So what else is on your radar for the rest of the year, next year? You got any DVD projects, CD
1: projects? Um, I've got two DVDs that I have to do. I'm, I'm at the point where I have to start getting more diligent about product. Mm-hmm. You know, this is where I've been coached the business of comedy from a lot of people. By the end of the year, a DVD for me is going to call it, be called Look on the Right Side A DVD for an event I do with my sister. Do you know about Julie? Yeah,
0: tell us, just give us a little nugget of information about that. Julie's amazing.
1: Yeah, this, and if you're listening to the podcast, pause it and go to her site. She'll change your life. Julie has Down syndrome, which is an extra chromosome. Um, My grandfather told her that she doesn't have an extra chromosome, but that you and me are missing it. Uh And he called it the love chromosome. And uh, and this and if you know anybody with Down syndrome, you know that's true. Um, so Julie and I travel together and do a lot of corporate events. We were just in Taiwan for three weeks speaking over there, and and it's it's amazing. So I need a pro. I need a love chromosome DVD. Mm-hmm. I need a look on the right side DVD, and then I'm writing a children's book.
0: That's cool, man. Well, I'll definitely hold you accountable for uh, at least two out of three of those things. Yeah. If you get two out of three, I'll be pretty stoked for you. I'd be you. happy
1: to, or at least get them long down the road to be in close to getting done with those. Yeah. Right. Oh, that's
0: cool, man. Well, I, why don't we leave it at that? What website is the best for them to find? Uh, on? Just
1: everything's Left Arm Comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, they could email me at derek at left arm comedy. And oh, and also we're gonna start. I'm gonna start sponsoring the show. I might as well go ahead and say it now to commit to it because I have a little apparel company. I'd love to help guys get some good t-shirts, some good quality t-shirts to sell at their shows. That will be guaranteed softer than any shirt you've done and uh, cheaper than any shirt. So stay tuned for that.
0: Yeah, he's wearing one right now. I checked it out. I'm gonna have some some shirts made up with, with Derek. Yeah. They look good, man. I know it's a good service for comics, so you guys be listening for that in the future here pretty soon. Absolutely.
1: But left arm comedy, look me up and, and connect.
0: Cool and man. Cool. It's great having you in here today. It's good to be here, brother. Thanks.
1: Well, there you go. Derek Michael
0: Tennant. Hope you enjoyed that podcast and be looking for Derek to sponsor the podcast in the upcoming weeks. He's got a a great t-shirt company. Uh, He was wearing one of the t-shirts that he produces and man, they are super soft and uh, pretty hip. So I'm happy to take him on as a sponsor. We'll hear more about that later on. Speaking of sponsoring and supporting the podcast, once again, thanks to John, Paul and Greg. Almost sounds like the Beatles there for a second. For sponsoring the podcast through Patreon, it's dot com forward slash School of Laughs. And because they're sponsoring the podcast, they get different rewards, which is a way for me to give back even more to those of you who are supporting the podcast now with your monthly donation. Uh, for as little as $1 a month, you'll get access to an exclusive news feed where I'll communicate in depth and uh, more, I guess, directly with you than I do with the general public on the Facebook feed. And we'll also do some follow-up talk about each episode uh, the day after release. If you guys want to join in on that news feed, you can do that for as little as $1 a month. There's other rewards for 3 bucks a month. You can get your fix-a-joke aired and your questions answered on the show. Also, like $5, you get access to a bonus podcast that I do with my guests. These will be the top two or three tips each of my guests has, whether it's about – Writing comedy, performing comedy, or maybe saving money while they're out there on the road, or something about the business of comedy. After each podcast, I ask them to give me their three top tips, and those are only available to people sponsoring me through Patreon, and that's at the $5 mark. There's also a $7 pledge if you want to jump in at that. You get everything I talked about before, and you get access to a monthly Google Hangout. Uh, That's going to be where you and I can hang out on Google with other listeners of the show that support the show and bounce some ideas off of each other. As well as Club 52, which is a 52-week email program where each week you get a comedy challenge from me that you can implement and put into use in your own comedy shows or your comedy business to help you take it to the next level. So if you're interested in supporting the podcast, this is a great time and a great way to do it. Once again, you can check out Patreon, dot com forward slash School of Laughs for more information or just go to the schooloflaps.com website and click on the podcast page. Thanks again. I'll talk to you guys next week when we turn 100.
1: Thanks for listening to the School of Laughs podcast. If you'd like to hear more School of Laughs podcasts, you can find them on iTunes and Stitcher.com. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. For information on upcoming live and online classes, visit schooloflaughs.com. Until next time, stay tuned, stay focused, and stay money.